and we're recording. Hey man, how's it going? It's going really well, man. How's your week been? It's it's good. I have a lo- a new theme song. Um, yeah, but I'll just like sing it right now. Do 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 do. Like that's my that's my new song. Um, so uh, I talked last week about wanting a theme song, and then Scott sent me one on uh on Slack. His his daughter recorded herself playing, the, or he recorded his daughter playing the piano, and they played a little little theme song. So I spent like. 30 or 45 minutes putting it through GarageBand and I made it sound like a, a like an electric guitar and then I added a bunch of effects and and echoes and it sounded really bad. So um that's not the theme song at the moment, but uh I'm going to see if I can get her to to record a a different one or like a longer we'll we'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, get a jingle set up. Speaking of which, friend of the show, Scott, the the mighty the magnificent, the man, the meat eater. <laughs> I don't know our guy. Some of that's true. <laughs> um, is on the show. It's well, good to have Scott, you, man. Yeah. Hey. We met uh, Scott 368. Um, not 368. That's the company I work for, Dadgummit. Um, 360. 360 iDev. <laughs> Last year, um, went to the Night of Meat, ate uh, all sorts of quality meats, um, had a good time. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, been listening to our show and we really appreciate him. And so now we have, we're going to, we're going to have discussions. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we have, uh, uh, lots of topics. I, we, I'm looking through the show notes here. We have like 20 things to talk about, but really I just want to hear Scott talk about this, this, uh, marble game that his kids are watching on Twitch or on YouTube or something. Like, okay. Yeah. So this? I saw that, I saw that video and I'm, I'm very, um, very confused. Um, just, I guess I'm just getting old, but like, what is this? How does this work? I don't understand any of it. They they just watch um, I, kids these days. They watch people play games um, on YouTube, and um, I don't know. I I guess it's the same thing as watching people play like sports or do uh, cooking shows or whatever. Um, they just watch people that are good at stuff uh, do do things, um, but they're watching all these uh, games on. YouTube and um then they got stuck watching um they started watching dominoes like people setting up crazy <laughs> dominoes wow. sets and um then they found uh, these marble races i guess people make these like virtual uh marble things like contraptions where marbles will fall with gravity through um i mean you something you could build on your own in, in real life. I think some of them are real, but um, the virtual ones are like just crazy elaborate and like 400 marbles will fall through and they just like bounce off each other and go through and they, the kids will watch it and they'll pick like, I want to be yellow. I want to be black. And like, they watch their color and oh, when they're that's, ahead, they're, they're just cheering. watching it. They're just, they're, they're rooting for one of the marbles. I actually have it open right now. And it's like, it's it's almost like like betting on a horse or something, except yeah, it's just like exactly. a physics engine, and yeah. you give it a bunch of nodes, and you just watch it, watch them go, and there's a score. But there's too many nodes to like just predict it. It you you have to run through it, so it is like a horse race. What? This is fascinating. My daughter would love this. Like we we've, we've been <laughs> playing Peggle, and oh, yeah. with Peggle, like you'll move the cursor or the move the the, the launcher and the launchers at the top of the screen and it turns. And then when you hit fire or hit any button on the Xbox controller, the one marble will fall down and bounce off these little pegs and it will fall down to the bottom of the screen where there's a bucket and the bucket is always moving. And so we will launch it in some direction, just watch it bounce. And then the whole family will just start cheering bucket as we just wait for this thing to finally bounce into the bucket. And there's nothing, there's, there's no talent. There's no skill. Like we're just, pointing it and, sh- and shooting it. So this Good feels luck. like a super version of that, but you don't have control for the beginning either. Yeah. So that is absolutely fascinating. Um, being one of, I think, I mean, I, I think my generation was the generation that started watching Twitch um, or, or, well, I guess back in the day it was Justin TV, Justin TV. I, I, I don't really remember much from Justin TV. Cause I think I was, 
14 or something like that. But I remember when Twitch started getting popular, like especially in the past couple of years, it's just blown up. But it's been elaborate video games. I never, and, you know, like speed runs and whatnot. I never expected to, like, I'm actually kind of interested in this. <laughs> just watching marbles. Like, it's just, you could just sit here. It's It's mesmerizing. <laughs> I've been thinking about this esport thing. And so like with eat with regular sports, we would watch something. We would watch people do something on TV or in person. We would watch athletes do something that we are not physically able to do, but we aspire to do um, something that uh, we you know appreciate how much skill that they, that they uh, have and, and then how much effort that they've put into it and, and what they're able to accomplish. And, we would root for them and we would, you know, as a kid, you'll like try to be them or, or pretend like you're them. Yeah, and exactly. we, we do that now with the, with the esports. Like you'll see, uh, you know, who's the guy on, on Fortnite right now? Who's the big guy? Ninja. Ninja. Yeah. You'll see Ninja and, or your kids will see a Ninja and they'll want to dye their hair and they'll want to be Ninja and they'll want to uh, be the, that Fortnite player. But it's really the same concept is they're trying to be uh, the equivalent of an athlete um, of a, of a, what a human can do as best they can. And it's just a different, different sport now. But I was thinking about those marbles and uh, until I realized that the whole thing is just recorded, it's not really like they're not clicking or starting the marbles. It, they just happen. Right. But I was thinking like, that's, you know, horse betting is a good analogy. It, it is a sport, but it's, it's just different than what we're used to. Yeah, like, it's just chance. Wow. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think that's what's very interesting about the esports scene now relative to what it was back when Ninja was playing Halo because Ninja was a a Halo player um, back in the day. And I I was watching him for for years before uh, before Fortnite came out, which was pretty much entirely a skill based game. But now you see these companies starting to add a lot of random number generation to the way just the games work. Like there is no guarantee that any game is going to be like the next, um, just d- depending on like what weapons you get, whatnot. And I find it interesting that this marbles, like marble esport, or it's not even really an esport, more of a simulation is entirely chance, you know? And it's, it's not really, it's not really skill-based at all, but it's still fun to watch. It's, it's interesting how humans take sides and pick colors and, want to see how it plays out even if it's just a simu- a physics simulation yeah it why do you, weird man why are they adding all the randomization into it try to level the playing field for new people and stuff uh honestly i think it's just because it's more addicting it's it's more like it's more like playing slots slots it's, yeah it's you never know what you're going to get when you open a box just like you never know what you're going to get when you spin a wheel you know yeah. um you just want to keep people playing more Man, the internet's the internet's crazy. <laughs> the other day, uh, TJ and I were trying to record on a Wednesday, and we got everything all set up, and we did our little pre-recording. We're ready to go, and he's like, "Shane, you sound like you're really choppy, and the video is really choppy." And this is right after I was just talking about how amazing my new Wi-Fi setup is. I'm getting 750 megabits down. Well, I, was, I started doing some some checks, and I was getting like one up and 25 down or something. And then I found out that Comcast had an outage in my area. And then yesterday they had a second outage in my area. So as soon as I started talking about these modems and like all this upgrading stuff I've done, I had started having outages, but uh, no, I, I wanted to use this as a little segue to talk about um, Scott's experience with his gigabit internet and his modem and buying new modems and, and the whole whole process. Uh, what what happened? And give, give us that story, Scott. Well, it was similar to your story. Um, it, mine was brought about a little bit differently. I um, got out of the introductory price, so um, my internet was like two hundred bucks a month or something. And I was like, I got to call them and get this cheaper. Like this is ridiculous. So called them and they said they could bump me up. I think I was at 400 megabit. So I went from 400. They said they could bring me up to a gigabit gigabit for um, about half the price. You're paying and, 200 before and now it'll be 100. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, how does that uh, how does that work though? Because you you got so much like higher speeds. Yeah, well, I think some of it's introductory rate, so it will go up again in a year or two or whatever when that runs out. But um, part of it was like some shenanigans. Like if you, I was paying fifty dollars a month for unlimited um, usage or bandwidth or whatever, because um, otherwise um, Comcast limits you to a terabyte a month. Yeah, I and, pay for that same the same upgrade, but we only use like yeah. a terabyte, like one point oh three terabytes. So just a little bit over a terabyte. Yeah, we a blow month. it away like four or five terabytes a month. Five um, terabytes. What yeah. What are you doing? Five. You're watching marbles. You're watching a lot of marbles. You got yeah, a lot of marbles. <laughs> yeah, we're streaming stuff all the time. Disney Plus made it even worse. But what? Um, yeah. So that. Typical, but um, yeah, when they started charging for that, like, okay, it costs another $50 a month now. But um, I guess there, at least in our area, if you rent the modem from, from them, which is like, I don't know, $13 a month or something, they include the unlimited data. So you That's don't have that $50 15. fee. You hmm. pay 13 instead okay. and you get a modem. That's a better deal. So I did that. And luckily I did because my, just like you was, uh, my service was pretty rocky right away and got a tech out that was just awesome. He, um, like brought my modem out in the yard, hooked it up straight to the pedestal or whatever out in the yard. And it's like, it's, um, just crap everywhere. And he (laughs) said, I, there's, um, the modems are built by two different manufacturers. And he said, oh, this is one of the bad ones. Like, I just do not trust these. I'll switch it out for you. Um, which if I had paid for the modem, that would have been like shipping it back or buying a new one. So kind of glad I rented it because it just, he had one in the truck, swapped it out, said this one's good. And it's been solid since. What brand modem are you using? I think it, the, well, it's Xfinity branded. Um, oh, okay. It's like a gray. Uh, yeah, that's the one that thing. I had. Those things are actually well, really nice. They, they work well. Well, you don't know what you actually have. Um, they all look like that, but mine is ah. the Technicolor one now. Oh. I think the Eris was the bad one originally. Um, and oh. I don't know if that applies to other modems um, that uh, are made by those manufacturers, just the ones for um, Xfinity. Uh, he said, just pick up the new one and the old one. He said, I can tell just by lifting them. Like one's twice as heavy. Like the good one weighs a lot more. The other one is just <laughs> air, I guess. Um, I come that's not the same with diets. Like the better one's the heavier one. But no. Okay. I'm, I gotcha. No, I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just got the new heiress. So yeah, it's good to know that this is the bad one. Hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. Do um, you all know if these modems, these Xfinity branded ones, are the ones that broadcast the Xfinity hotspot out into your, like your neighborhood? Can. And does um, that mean it's like sharing your bandwidth with strangers? Yeah. Um, really? I, I I didn't think that data that goes through your hotspot is counted towards your data cap. No, I can see that. It, I can see that, but I'm thinking if your pipe can only handle a oh, gigabit or something, yes. and people are using your bandwidth, you you can't max out. Um, yeah, um, I switched mine to bridged mode right away, um, which basically turns it into a dumb pass through because I have my own firewall downstream. So um, once I did that, all of that stuff got disabled. Okay, you're not using their wireless hotspot then. You're just using it as just a modem. And that's called yeah. bridge mode? I think so. Cool. So, you, yeah, you turn bridge mode on, you get another IP out of a different bank um, completely. And, um, yeah, it basically uses the modem for the, as an interface, and that's it. Um, then I have a um, PFSense box downstream that does just my firewall stuff. And then I have Eros in... Um, access point mode um behind that for the you have heroes throughout the house yeah what's your uh, coverage like are you able to go anywhere in the house and roam and have it silently yeah. and smoothly transfer yeah there every nice. once in a while if you move a lot like from the garage to the upstairs it'll 
get kind of slow. And if you drop your Wi-Fi and connect again, it'll get better. So I've noticed that every once in a while, but that's like maybe once a month or something. It okay. typically does fine. So the the, th- the three big brands right now are Eero, which I think is owned by Amazon. Now it is, yeah. Orbi, which is owned by Netgear. And then Venloop, I guess there's another one. Venloop, which is owned by Linksys. And then there's something from Ubiquity. Yeah. Yeah. Amplify. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Amplify Alien or Amplify. Um, But everybody's going with this new mesh. You have to be more hardcore to understand the Ubiquity stuff. They're a little more nerdy, hands-on. Just yeah, they just <laughs> you have to go in there and you have to know what these acronyms mean. Yeah, and you have to know what you're doing. And see, that's my you know the majority of my problem. I think I know something <laughs> you don't about know what networking. You're doing? I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to networking for some reason. It's never been something that I've been super interested in. Um, I know you had to do it because of all your Echo stuff. You had to know a lot more about networking than I did. Whereas I was always more interested in you know operating systems, stuff like uh, doing stuff like emulation, little software projects and whatnot. And so I learned enough about networking to get by. But when it comes to like, I couldn't tell you what a subnet mask is. I don't. I have seen those words in Windows. I've seen those words in Mac OS. I couldn't tell you what it means. You know, I just know enough. To, uh, well, mostly about you know internet networking. Like I understand what DNS and TCP is. But when it comes to like an actual local area network. I'm I'm in I'm in deep deep water when it this, comes to trying to fix any of that. The internet and networking is what people 200 years ago or 300 years ago would have called magic. Like if I could tell you that I could talk to anybody in the world and I can you know transfer anything, I can see anything anywhere and I can get anything and I can walk around and do it. And I don't have, you know the fact that we can do what we're doing wirelessly with these devices, like that's magic and not knowing in, you know, how that works at the lowest level. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like if I have a chance to learn how magic works or how the trick works, I want to see that, or I want to see <laughs> behind the scenes or behind the curtain. Well, that's kind of what led yeah, me that we way. Might com- about like 120 second mil, uh, millisecond uh, ping times across the world. And they'd be like, what? It takes months to send a letter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now combine that with the power of photography that we have. Not only photography. You don't have to have a DSLR anymore. We have these these little phones that have cameras in. Like back in the day, like you you know seeing like you're watching a Western movie and they've got like the thing they got to put it over their head and they took the picture upside down and all the like was upside down, wasn't it? And then the bulb would break and bulb would bust. Yeah, and like you got this just absolute crap photo that, but it was a photo and it was amazing. You know, there's an app out right now. I, I forgot what it's called, but it's really popular. And it, the whole it thing is called like instant or disposable camera. I think is what it's called. And the whole purpose of it is you take pictures, only so many, you can't look at them until the next morning at like eight o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. To simulate like going to the, the place and having it developed. But like we have, the ability to take a million photos or something like I never worry about film or storage or anything. I just take photos and never look at them again, but I take thousands. And within seconds, you can take one of those photos, like the one that you like, you can edit it to perfection and then just send it to anyone you want across the world in mere seconds. No, that's magic. Well, it's not just that video as well. And (laughs) yeah, video as well. So right now we're on a Zoom video call. It's all three of us. We're looking at each other and like I'm able to just focus on you guys like I was there in person. It's not as good as in person, but it feels like that. If that and we could do that over this wireless network cheap. Like I don't I'm not paying per minute. I just it's magic. It's yeah, it's crazy. Man, what a time we live in. And see the thing is it's so easy to take it for granted too, you know? I feel like it's easier for us because we understand like all the work that goes into it. Like it is magic, but at the same time, like we can kind of, even, even if it's just a small understanding of like the bits and pieces and the parts that go together to make these systems that allow us to do everything. I, I feel like we take it for granted a little bit less than someone who doesn't really understand it, but has been around it their entire lives. Like my kid, um, when this kid is born and grows up, if they don't have any interest in technology, they're just going to just going to use it. Yeah. And having grown up with it, it's not going to be as fascinating, I don't think. Scott, you have several kids, and they're older than mine. I have like a four year old and two year old. Yours are older. 
how do you handle screen time? How do you handle the fact that they have the ability to watch marbles or something else or, you know, have access to all of this? How do you handle that? And, and another question to add on top of it, how do you keep them from watching something else? Like what protections do you have in place? Uh, most of their screen time is on the Apple TV in the living room. So everybody is going to see what they're watching. And um, we're tolerant of some stuff, but uh, like if they're saying bad words or something, we'll yeah. definitely ask them to watch something else. Um, so that, that helps a lot of like the, what they're watching, but um, they do have iPads and they, they have to do their chores before they get access to them. Um, that includes like practicing their music and whatever else for the day, like cleaning up the house or whatever. Um, we enforce it by um, setting a passcode on the iPad that they don't know. Only oh. me and my wife know. So they have to come to us to get, get into them. Is there like so a do you turn out? like sleep off? Um, no, they, they will have to come back to us or they figured out tricks. Like, um, <laughs> one of them just keeps a, um, video and messages that he can go and play and it'll keep it keep the screen alive oh my, oh my gosh God. what they're like they're like just tapping the screen every 30 seconds so it stays awake so they don't have to go get it yeah. unlocked oh that's funny um oh they they have enough time to find all sorts of loopholes it's crazy um like screen time like we have that set up the apple screen time that limits the app category usage and so like I don't know, half hour of games or something is mm. all they're allowed. Um, but they figured out that um, games like are playing 2048 for a while. Um, there's a web version of that. So they could just go into Safari. <laughs> oh my and play it gosh. <laughs> oh, the, oh I, I just imagine like this, the pain and suffering that they're going to go through to try, try to go around this. They're going to be watching this thing in like a web view in like a study apps help settings page because they're able to get there and that pay, that app's not banned or something like that's crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Somebody, it's a crazy dude. Somebody explained that like the kids have all day to figure out the loopholes and we're spending like five minutes trying to set up the barriers. Like you, you can't compete. They're going to win in the arms race. <laughs> yeah. I was on a cruise ship earlier this year and like we were able to get some, Apple push notifications or, or Apple notifications to come through to the phone without paying for the internet. So like I'm on the boat and I'm thinking, can I set up like a proxy server and spoof those ports and try to send stuff over the same, um, you know, the same pipe. Like, could I have internet on this boat? And you know, I should, yeah, I, when you have free time, you start to, you start to wonder, but you start to get kind of wonder. ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, speaking of the, inner workings of networks. Um, there was one place I may have worked at a long time ago that blocked all sorts of traffic. And I, I think we set up a SSH tunnel through the DNS port because DNS was wide open. Oh, so <laughs> proxying through, through DNS. It worked. Really sneaky. It worked great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just able to circumvent any sort of limitations that yep. they put. Like, nice. Um, yeah. They, Sounds like my boat. Yeah. Man, this guy's making a lot of DNS queries. He's Yeah, he really wants to see what things are, their addresses are. Um, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. So. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. Uh, Scott, how do you handle... I got several more questions for you, but like, how do you handle your data... Are you a hoarder? Do you... Yes. Per okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, do you ever get like anxiety because you have, you can't find what you're looking for. You have too much stuff. Like what, what are your plans or what are your, how do you handle all of your data? Like uh, uh, this podcast, like if we want to give you some copies of it or something, what would you do? Like, where would you store it? What's the process? Um, I'd use a, uh pcloud for um it's kind of like a dropbox clone um pcloud p 
as in I don't know whatever yeah, starts with P. Um, <laughs> they uh, they had um, you could prepay for a lifetime subscription, which was kind of nice, and um, they have a um, cryptid folder that lets you be like more secure than probably what Dropbox lets you do. Um, so, so this I, is like a Dropbox or a OneDrive. This is yeah online storage. Yep. And you, so you I put paid. a lot of stuff in there like that I might want to access on multiple computers or iPhone or whatever. Just like you wow. do with Dropbox. $350 for two terabytes for lifetime. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. It's like three or four years of, of yearly Dropbox, but it's one t- one and done. And yeah. Wow. You'll always have it. What's the upload download rate? Like, is it pretty fast compared to Dropbox? It seems pretty good. Yeah. About the same. Yeah, check this probably out. Probably both using Amazon for their back end anyway. So <laughs> that's true. Probably doesn't that, Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's true. And they also have like annual plans, which are like three or four dollars a month. So this looks pretty cool. I'm gonna check this out. But this is not one of the big clouds. This is not like a Google Drive or a OneDrive or yeah. any of those. Like, are I tried, you against those? I tried um well Dropbox, their client on the Mac got kind of buggy and ugly. And so I looked for alternatives and I switched to um I can't remember, like own cloud or something. One of the, oh, yeah. you run your, on your own. Yep. Oh, that exactly. Yeah, I, that's, that's did there. <laughs> I, I tried using it and it, it just reminded me, oh, I, I think I talked about this on the previous podcast, like own cloud and one cloud. I think it's one cloud. They it's Linux. Like it's, yeah. it works, but it's, it's not pretty. It's, uh, yeah. it has just enough features. You're, you're going to miss out. It, uh, where, um, yeah. Yeah, it was tough to get the speed that these other people are doing. Um, then I was responsible for backing everything up. And it was just, I don't know, stressful. So um, I found this one somehow. Um, I think a deal on it popped up or something. And I was like, hey, I'll check this out. It's been good. Did, did you pay the 350 Or um, was yours a better yeah, deal? Yeah, I think I paid in Bitcoin back. They paid Whatever. in Bitcoin. Yeah, I love that. What? Are you do you mind? I did a while ago. <laughs> was that just as a hobby project, or um, well, like like ultimately? Are you still into it, or have you have you kind of left that? Still, that, uh, um, I th- I like the um, project. Like it's fascinating, but um, the mining kind of ended up. It makes a lot of heat and. I, it, it does. it's cold here and it ended up being great all winter like just run stuff in the garage it would keep the cars warm um and then summer comes around like oh no i don't want to mine anymore and and winter I'm like well, maybe i want to keep the garage warm again um so i did that for a number of years but just for years yeah the what? electricity cost now is making it too tough to compete with China or um, anywhere else. So was it profitable or were you ended up spending more money on, on electricity? Well, at any given time, um, the electricity was probably pretty close to what you would make, but I kind of got lucky on that. Things went up quite a bit from when I started. So, yeah, Um, it was 2018. Winter of 2018, that's like when it was $20,000 a coin? Yeah. Okay. I, just yeah. shy. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I had friends who were really into it. And they were just buying it from other people, letting other people mine. They were just buying it. Yeah. But then it went down for a couple of years. That was a bummer. Yeah. Do you think it, it's going to go back? Yeah. You're like, I've invested too much. It has to. <laughs> no, I I sold almost everything that I had. Oh, wow. Um, but eh, it's fun. Like, as a kind of a tech, like, fun nerd project, like building a machine with a bunch of GPUs just to do massive amounts of math is really cool. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. Then the ASICs took over and yeah. that yeah. started getting crazy, like, Really crazy. So an ASIC is 
a little computer built just for this one task. So your your computer is a general purpose computer. It can do anything. But if you put all of your focus and built it just to you know calculate this one type of formula, you could have a much better performance, you know, much less use a lot less power. And we call those ASICs. What is what does it stand for? I don't remember. A6. Well, I searched for it and I got a shoe company. Okay, never mind. <laughs> not wrestling now. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I feel bad. Oh, application-specific integrated circuit. But, yeah it's, yeah, it's just like a little chip or a little computer that does one little task. Yeah, it's a and a chip, less less than a computer. Like, um, no RAM or anything on it that would be all external. When these first came out for Bitcoin, you would make so much more money running this than you would a regular computer. Yeah, that like, I don't understand why the factory would even sell these outside of itself. Why would it? Well, why would it there's not been just controversies about that? Um, like one of the early ones, they um, they had pre-orders, so people would buy them. Like, hey, we promise it's going to be this, and right now the profitability with that would be astronomical. So people would do it, and then they just sit on them, probably running them <laughs> in their factory. Until a couple months later, they send it to you, and it's not hardly profitable at all anymore. Yeah, I, that's like a oh, it's super and, smart, but yeah, man. I think Antminer got in trouble for that too. They're one of the big China companies making the ASICs, and they, their chips are just way faster than anybody else. But um, they they're running them on their own, yeah, and they're running a, their own mining pool that by default they they're machines boot up and mine too. So a good analogy would be like, if I had a money printer, I would take all the money that I printed and buy more money printers. I would not sell the money printers to someone else. Like, <laughs> just, oh yeah. man. But the um, GPUs don't have that. Like there are people playing games with them and there's other markets. So um, they're more general purpose. Like, People early on were doing CPU mining and figured out that they could fit it on a GPU and then went to um, FPGAs, I think, uh, first. And then then people started building the ASICs. Do you game, Scott? Not really. So I've been thinking about and watching a bunch of YouTube videos on GameStop. And GameStop's the, the, that store you go to to buy all your pre-orders and everything. But apparently, like, they're... They're going out of business. Yeah, they're not they're even, struggling, man. Like, have you read about this, TJ? Like, I I've been seeing that coming for a while, and whenever I go and talk to GameStop employees, because myself, I I am a gamer. Um, I go in there. I I probably I used to go in there a lot more. I might go in there once or twice a year now. Um, it's mostly just because I'm bored, and Jenny's walking around the mall, <laughs> so I'm just like, ah, heck, I'm gonna go look. I'm gonna go to GameStop. Uh, and there's usually maybe one other person in there. And when I talk to them, they're just like, yeah, man, everybody's buying digital now. There's no real reason unless you plan on buying them and selling them back. Or you just want to buy games really cheap. Because I'm thinking about that Bitcoin mining and how, like, as it slowed down, all of these GPUs that you, people were paying $1,000 for or something are now going to yeah. flood the market. But they all have a ton of miles on them. And I didn't know how that affected um did that affect GameStop at all? I would, I would think not. I would think it'd be more of the digital. Um, are, are you talking about, no, I mean, cause, cause GameStop doesn't sell like they barely sell PC games. Right. Um, like they don't, they don't sell hardware at all. Like unless it's a console. Yeah. But as absolutely. a gamer, if I can get a really cheap GPU, um, I might be able to have a better, well, maybe it's that, true. But I think, I think that the, the amount of, you know, PC players relative to console players and also like, there's a lot of Nintendo fans out there, you know? Um, and you're, you're never going to play a Nintendo game on a PC without emulation, uh, with, uh, without emulation. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. And then a lot of people just, they just love playstations for some reason. You know, they love, they love Xbox. You know, um, they just really like the console life. Um, I, th I think that people who are less technically inclined, don't really want to spend a lot of time fight fighting windows and setting up hardware to play, you know, Call of Duty. They don't really care. And now I've also been seeing that Fry's, the big computer store, they're also like, there's a bunch of videos of people walking around in the new Fry's, or not the new ones, but the, the current Fry's stores and all the shelves are empty. Have you, ever, have you guys ever been to a Fry's before? I've never been in one. We don't have them up here. 
I've never lived in a place that had them, but like when I would go to Arizona, California, or Vegas or something, um, they were there, but they were, if you ever, if you've ever been to a micro center, imagine a micro center, but it's like a Costco and there's just rows of every motherboard and processor and everything. Just that as far as you amazing. can see, it's, it's, it's Mecca. It's one of the Meccas for tech people. And but, I, I loved micro center when uh, you took me, uh, Shane, to the one that's in Denver. Oh and yeah, that was fun. That was, you know, an experience We're because there's just, I, I had never seen anything like it before in my entire yeah, life. It was the first amazing. Time I saw a store with motherboards on a shelf. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Best Buy is no longer like that. Like no. Best Buy, they have washing machines and there was beds in the last Best Buy really? I went into. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not the same as, as like, not as techie. Like everything is. Right. Very consumer-y now. Yeah. Do y'all remember CompUSA? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So CompUSA is where I played with a Mac for the first time. Oh. Uh, What Mac? It was an eMac G4. So it was very similar to, like, the iMac G3s, like the the colored ones, except it was completely white, like one of the iPods, and it was a CRT. Um, Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it was originally made for educational use. Yeah. Like... The iMac at the time had a LCD, but that one was yeah. built cheaper. This is the generation of the iMac that looked like the the lamp. Yeah, the dome. It had a dome. Dome base, and then there was an arm that came out, and then the screen was flat. It would be on that arm. Yeah. Okay. So that this is one. after the really popular, the, the iMacs first came out with the real colorful. and yeah. Right. Not the CRT ones. Okay, and then the, so this eMac was the same technology kind of as that old iMac, but just years later. Years later, and it was running. I think the machine that I was looking at was running macOS Panther, which was ten point three. Oh, um, which was the one that uh, the logo that you got a shirt at three sixty i dev the macOS yeah. Panther, yeah. Um, nice. Which was very it was um, a very interesting operating system because it was one that shipped with brushed metal, like the brushed metal UI. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. All awkward before awesome. that. Yeah, it's all awkward before that. Man, I was on Windows trying to make it look cool and doing object desktop and all these themes to try to make Windows look like a Mac and go over to Mac and they got like the dock. The dock, we don't use it now, but it's so cool. Like you turn the, the zooming on and you run across it. It's just so fluid. And Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I didn't have a Mac then. I wanted one. So I was doing the exact same thing you were doing. And I was also playing around with Pair PC at the time. Oh, Pair so PC. Slow. So it was a PowerPC emulator that you could run um, older versions of Mac OS in, but it was incredibly slow. So Scott, did you play with it at all? I Yeah, not not when it was former versions of the OS, like when it was the current ones, because I didn't have anything that could run OS 10.0 or 10.1 or whatever. Yeah, and right. PowerPC, it was pretty rough and <laughs> and pretty slow. But it would do it eventually. It, it would. I think it took me five minutes to be able to boot into macOS 10.2 Jaguar. Yeah. Um, it would just, it, it would literally take somewhere between five and 10 minutes to get to the desktop. And then I would, I would take my mouse and I would go and click the Apple button. It would sit there for about five seconds before it dropped down. I would hit about this Mac and I would just, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. There were shadows on those menus, TJ. There it, was. <laughs> it looked so good. Yeah, I had a looked, I had a PowerBook 3400, 3400? yeah. Um it's one of the 603 PowerPC based guys that um got that in college and that was uh running was it 7 still when that came out? Oh wow, so this is pre pre jobs coming back. Yeah, pre OS X at all, uh, completely. Um and that wasn't one of the machines that could run OS 10 when it came out and was, I just wanted to run it. Um, and somebody made a project X post facto. I think it was, oh, I remember run, that. um, Mac OS on un- unsupported hardware and man, talking of slow that, Oh, it took so long to boot. Do you think Apple deliberately prevented those machines from running it just because they tested it and it was slow or do you think well, they, did it to try to make more money? No, uh, it, it could have been because it was slow or it could have been just there's 
way too much, um, too many old machines to possibly test and they had to get it out. So they, they tried, they just got it running on the, the current machines. Cause that machine was pretty old when that, when it came out. And if I recall correctly, they actually had like a config file of the, I think it was at the root of the installation In the installer. media. Yeah. Yeah. Where it actually listed out or had constraints as to what machines could run this version of the operating system. So all X post facto was really doing was circumventing that either changing. Uh, I think, I think you could either burn new media based off of the, the disc that you got. And it would, it would basically just circumvent that and add your yeah. machine to the list. You could probably do it yourself editing. The file, you really could. But, um, okay. Some of those are for good reason. Like the kernel doesn't have, or it's relying on, I don't know, S as the year MMX instructions that mm. the new chips have, or even fancier instructions than that. Now, um, this machine has a color screen. We get, we, we don't support <laughs> that. What, what? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm with you. I was playing a, uh, something on the iPhone, some like game or something. And I wanted to cheat. So I, I pull up the, I was able to dump the contents from my phone of the games, games, uh, of the phone, butchering this i got a copy of the game save i went in with text edit i changed my money from one to a million i saved it put it back on the phone i was rich the game was no longer fun so i deleted it but (laughs) yeah i'm with you nice what game was that just out of curiosity and when was this i don't want to talk about it we'll talk about it later okay we'll we'll go offline with this (laughs) No, it, it, yeah, it had in-app purchases and stuff, and I did not need the money for the in-app purchases, but I feel feel a little bad. Just a little bad. That makes sense. That's understandable. Oh, so I want to follow up on a couple things. Um, I recently switched over my cell carrier. Oh, yeah. How's that going? So it's going surprisingly well. Um, I had T-Mobile. Um, Scott, I don't know if, if you heard about this, but I was paying like $135 a month for two lines, which really is not that bad with Timo with, with pretty much any carrier these days. Um, and I was getting unlimited, unlimited data, unlimited talk, unlimited text. And I've been holding on to this deal because you really can't get it at T-Mobile anymore. And I, and I got it like three years ago. I signed up, got two lines. It was unlimited everything. I was like, I'm never going to touch this. I'm never switching away from it because I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get it again. (laughs) Which is is probably an irrational fear because eventually it was going to come back. Is it unlimited everything or is it 22 gigs of unlimited? It was actual unlimited data. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's not something that you come across like at all anymore. Um, And so then I found out about visible and visible is something similar like cricket. You know, it's a subsidiary of Verizon where you essentially get, you know, lower priority bandwidth. And if there's a lot of priority network going on at the time, you're probably not going to have very good connection. But with where I live, you know, I live in Louisiana. I don't really seem to have that many problems. So I ended up going with visible. And the cool thing about visible is because it's way cheaper. Like when you have a party of four people, it's 25 bucks per line. So I'd be saving like 70, 80 bucks, Um, which is mostly just, you know, just because I can, you know, Um, and its service is as good, if not better, than T-Mobile. I mean, it is Verizon, so I'm not that surprised. But I've had no problems with it. I can stream plenty of video. I can, I've been streaming tons of music. Honestly, haven't noticed a difference, which to me was the important part. I didn't want to switch to Visible and then it be, you know, it's painfully obvious that I've switched carriers unless it was way faster. Well, I, I honestly have not seen any difference, and I'm noticing that I am getting... um reception in places I didn't before, which is oh, really, really nice. That's awesome. Um, what do you use, Scott? Verizon. Verizon? Okay. Yeah. Do your kids have phones? No. Are you, What age do you plan on giving them a phone or a data plan? Maybe high school, if we can hold off. We, we told them high school or if there's some need that it would make it easier for us. Like, if they're in sports and need to call us for rides or whatever. If it makes it easier, we'll do that. But what would you about? give them a smartphone or would you give them a oh. dummy phone? Can you even get dummy phones anymore? You can. I don't know. Probably a smartphone because it'll probably be a hand me down because that'll True. be cheaper. 
So oh, look at that. Shane's been, over here flashing his dummy phone. I have a Razer phone on my desk because my, my two-year-old was wanting to play with a phone and I would hand her an old iPhone or something. And she just, it's just the same as the others. But then I brought this out. This opens, this is the old 2004 yeah. Razer. Oh, wow. I might have one oh, in the box. So, an unopened one? No, like oh, box put away. Okay. Okay. I was like, that thing is, that thing still looks really slick though. Like it looks very nice. Like looking at it right now in the video chat, it's, it's thinner than my iPhone. Like it's significantly thinner. Probably thinner than, or about the size of this iPod 2G. So the camera on it's garbage. Oh, I'm sure. Hey, it's better than the camera on this iPod 2G. (laughs) When I first got this, I had all my friends in college. I'm like, let me get a picture of you. So I set it as my, my contact. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it took like five minutes because you have to use the T9 keyboard. And yep. Oh, yeah. It was so cool. But those were simpler times, man. Simpler times. I could not – I needed to go somewhere and I would have to get directions. I didn't just have maps. Like it's, it's a lot different now. No, you'd print out the MapQuest stuff ahead of time and bring it with you. <laughs> MapQuest. Oh, yeah. The, and the website was just like printing that. it out because you'd hit a button – and then the whole thing would just tile over and refresh the page. Oh, MapQuest. Yeah, my daughter uh, thought she would trick me with telling her that she had to wait till high school. Um, she's like, when did you get your f- first cell phone, Dad? Like, Ooh. oh, I got it after I graduated from college. If you want to wait till then. <laughs> <laughs> what phone did you get? What was your first phone? One of those Nokia brick things like it was just huge and bulletproof and batteries were awesome like you didn't have to charge it every single night yeah you could, yeah. You could go you put it inside of your breast pocket and if you were in a shady part of town someone would take a shot at you probably would save your life yeah is it like, like armor is that yeah <laughs> is that thick nice yeah. growing up my parents had like a they had a bag phone in the car and it was like it, it didn't have any batteries, so it had to plug into the cigarette lighter. But this thing was like bigger than your 15 inch laptop and leather case. And like it was, but we would never use it. Or if we ever made a phone call, it was always, Hi, we're safe. We're getting gas. We'll be home soon. Love you. Bye. And you try to keep everything within a minute because you're paying for the minute. Yep. And now, man, I, I, I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, no, I, I will get on the phone. Like sometimes I'll just, you know, put in my AirPods and then I'm like, who am I going to call home on my, you know, who am I going to call on my ride home? You know, you go through the, your list of priorities. Like, okay, yeah, I, I, call I just, Jenny first, then finally get down to, yeah. Yeah. Talk, uh, sometimes just call my mom and I'll just be on the phone for like 45, 45 minutes, you know, just chatting with my mom and that I, I remember back in the day. Yeah. You'd pay for, you would pay for minutes. It's yeah. not a thing anymore. Yeah. How yeah. come we we we've got to the point where we don't have to pay for the minute, but in our video games on a phone, we went from a world where you had Nintendo where you'd pay and you'd have the full game to now I can't find any fun game or any game from like a uh, Sim City, for example, if I wanted a cool or a Sims game on the phone, I'm going to look, find it on the app store, and then I'm going to see in-app purchases, coins. Like we, we've kind of flipped phones now, mm-hmm. unlimited games. You pay per the coin. I think it's, it has something to do with the emotional response of like when, uh, uh, for example, when you're a kid and you have this big old phone in the back of your car. And you have to have your discussion in under a minute because, you know, it's, it's charging you. It, it feels almost like you're losing something mm-hmm. as you're talking. So the, the more time you spend, the more money you lose. Whereas they've kind of flipped it on its head. You know, businesses have just kind of done that where it's like, okay, instead, we're going to make it feel like you get something for your 99 cents, four ninety nine. You don't really feel so much like you're losing something. You feel like you're getting something back. You know, it's more, it's almost more of a trade. You see, Hmm. you trade real life currency for fake currency. You trade real life currency for a skin that you can use in game. You're not really losing something anymore. Well, um, that $130 or whatever your line was costing, like how much was their bill back 
with that phone for a couple minutes a month or whatever. That's like, true. That could have been only like $20 a month. And it, it was a new charge. Like it would have been huge um, back then. But in reality, like it probably was less. Are we just prepaying now? Am I prepaying for 30 gig? And I don't happen to go over it. So we're okay. Interesting. It's all facade, man. Yeah. It, we might be just paying 10 times what people used to pay. And it's just expected now. So it's fine. Man. Okay. Well, my <laughs> phone is cooler than that phone. Oh, yeah. I, I can watch 4K marble videos. I don't have to. Um, he can write just play apps Snake. on it. That's true. Yeah. Man. Yeah, they're 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 little computers. They are literal computers. Let's, All right, let's, TJ. Uh, let's talk about picks of the week. Picks of the week. You go first. All right. So my pick of the week to uh, this episode is going to be the app Pocket. Pocket. So what is Pocket? So Pocket. Do, do y'all remember Instapaper? Yep. Yes. Marco Armit made Instapaper, and I think it was really the first app of its kind, and that was. That you could go to a you know article on the web and basically there was a little there was a little bookmarklet is what they were called and you could send the article to Instapaper so that you could read it later um, and it was a little fugly when it first came out because I think it, it was one of the first apps in the App Store I think it came out with mm. it was either iPhone OS two or three whichever one the App Store I think it was it was one of the first apps there yeah it was iPhone OS two. Um, and it was it was a really good experience. Marco ended up selling Instapaper. Uh, I think it was it was almost five or six years ago. I think at this point, um, and it's still it's still a good product. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm I'm noticing that Pocket is very interesting because for one, me being a Firefox user, it's integrated with Firefox and just has a really mm-hmm. nice UI. Um, and it's, it's made me want to read long form articles more than I have in a very long time. Because uh, what's been happening is I find a long form article that I want to read, and I'm like. I need to read this. Right. I, I'm very interested in the subject at hand, but I can't do it right now. And so I just leave it open in a tab. And then it's a I safe never spot open that, for it. Right. A safe spot for it. Exactly. And then I never read that article again. I don't even I like I, I can think of an article that I wanted to read, you know, just a few days ago. And now I, I have no idea where I would find it. It's it, it might be one of the tabs open on Firefox on my phone, but I, I can't really tell you. Um, so the beauty of Pocket is that you? it's the same concept as Instapaper. You send it to Pocket so that you can read it later. And it has a very modern, almost ebook-like feel to it. Um, it's free. It does have a yearly subscription, I believe. It's super, it's super cheap. I think it's like 20 bucks a month or something like that. And that you know, allows you to read more articles or stay more articles, add searching, all that stuff. But the free version itself is, is excellent. Um, so if you are interested in reading more long form articles or you want to have recommendations, because it also has some very, very good recommendations where if you don't have anything to read right now, it'll give you something to read. Um, I highly recommend giving it a shot. Nice. How pretty is it? That's what it's I really care beautiful. about. It's very, very beautiful. And see, that's the other thing that I'm really trying to do more of, especially after, um, you know, when and we're going to follow up more about this. You introduced me to drafts. Uh, which is, you know, an, an indie application. I don't, I don't believe Draft is backed up by by a large company. It's, you know, one or two people. I'm looking for more apps like that because I'm finding that these apps solve a very, very painful problem for someone like myself. And they're also just very well done. Google, I'm sorry, Gmail on the iPhone, I'm sorry, Gmail on the iPad does not support multitasking or not multi uh, side by side side by side split mode side by side split mode has been available on the iPad for several years now but Gmail they have over a billion users does not support it yet and it's owned by a huge tech company but this tiny scrappy little email company I'm not going to drop any names but I can think of several of them um, they all support it or like uh What's the the drawing, the Photoshop app for the Mac? Um, Pixelmator. Yeah. Pixelmator. Yep. They do every, every time there's something released, they support it. They added machine learning in there just to have the buzzword, but they did it. Whereas Photoshop, I think it'll run on new stuff. Like maybe it'll support Catalina on launch day. Maybe not, but Pixelmator will definitely. And Pixelmator is much smaller group. So I'm with you. The smaller groups are going to have 
you know, there's a higher chance of them having the latest stuff and being able to be really compatible and, and agile. Yeah. It's a little more direct. They, they care so much more, but sorry, oh, go ahead, Scott. A little more direct care. Like, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, they're, they're not focused on a bunch of apps. They're just like this one. They really care about it and care what people tell them. And they want to make the best product. Right. Time. And, and, and I feel like they care about the platform that they're on too. Yeah. Like a lot of these smaller, you know, smaller developers, you know, indie developers, smaller companies, they they remember the Mac and you know the philosophy of what it was, and they they want to see that continue. They want to have the best software, and you oftentimes won't see them port it to Android. You won't see versions of right these right. apps for Windows. It's like they they believe in the philosophy of Mac. They believe in the philosophy of Mac of iOS, and and they want to preserve it. And so they, they just build dang good software. Dang good software. Dang good software. <laughs> okay. I got to pick. Um, I've redone my office and I have my desk set up, but my two year old and my four year old wanted to hang out in here. So I got an, a little led strip from Ikea. It's called an led berg or a, a lead berg. And this is like, three feet long. And then there's a, a controller that I can use to change it to any color. And I've mounted the controller under my desk. I can't even reach it very well. And I have the lights on my desk so that they're shining under the desk and on top of it. And so my daughters will come in while I'm coding and they'll sneak past me on the sides of my chair down to where my feet are under the desk. They'll turn on their light and it's like a, a rave or a disco. And it's, it's a party down there. And uh, it's just just really fun, and it gave me a reason to have some RGB in the office. So I'm like, I'm liking this little twenty dollar uh, LED bird. Is that the same technology people are doing for Christmas lights, like where they like Ooh. go to songs and stuff, um, changing color and stuff all over the place? No, but that's a really good idea. That's happening next year, because okay. um, I guess like right after Christmas, if I can go find a bunch of those. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of them on sale. I can deck out my office and RGB Christmas lights. But nice. No. Good idea. Do you have a pick, Scott? Um, I didn't really come up with anything, but I think think what I'll pick um, came to me via a uh, guy in our local Cocoa Heads group. Um, been into home automation for a while, like long before it was like any good at all. Like um, Z-Wave Zigbee stuff? Uh not really, um, although I did do the Kickstarter for, um, what was it, Smart Things? Oh, okay. It's like local guy that started that, and I think Samsung bought them or something now. Um, but I was on uh, Insteon early on, which is like mm. a, um, like came after uh, X10, which was like the first like thing that was doing switches and stuff. Um but uh, recently I uh, got into Home Assistant, which um, it's this like overarching like controller that y you have to run it on something like it'll run on a Raspberry Pi or something like that. Um, you probably have to get into some YAML editing, so it's not for the faint of heart, but okay. um, you connect it to all of your things in your house. Um Insteon is supported well, but um, like I don't know, Wemo and uh, all these um, different types of switches and lights, the Hue lights, the okay. LifeX lights, um, and uh, it supports all those things. So you can use its web interface to, or their iPhone app to turn things on and off and get notifications. You can do like presence detection, like so lights will turn on when you come home or something like that. Oh, nice. Um, but the, the main reason I love it is, uh, it integrates with, um, the robot with the a word, uh, from Amazon. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we can't say her name kit. on here because we'll trigger things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it integrates with those, uh, through a consistent interface. So like I, before that I had to, like some things would support HomeKit, some things would support the Amazon ecosystem and um, something you'd have to set them up both places. And it was just terrible. This solves that you set it up once both of the things can access it. Nice. 
And you access this all from a website on your phone? Um, there's an app on the phone. In order to um, make it easy to do the Amazon integration and I think maybe the HomeKit too, you um, pay like $5 a month for their service um, that basically does the like proxying through your firewall to open it up to the outside world in a secure way. Are you able way. to do this with, with Siri on the phone? Yeah. Sorry, Siri. Stop. Seriously, hey, you can't say okay. Yes, yeah. you can't say that on air. Shane. Yeah, no, so that integration. Yeah, HomeKit gives you all that. So, and HomeKit is really slick. Like, um, you have a couple favorite things in there, and um, you turn the lights on and off, and um, like furthermore, it like uh, supports the Logitech Harmony stuff. Oh, um, so the remote control that can the, control. Yeah, wow. like I can have Siri turn the TV on and off. That's awesome. Didn't trigger it. Sorry, Siri. Sorry, TV. Okay. Gotta be careful. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Not for the faint of heart, though. There's another project that I was looking at. It might be this one, Home Assistant, but it was another one, Homebridge. Homebridge is what yeah. it's called. That's that was a little more difficult um, oh. to get rolling compared to this, and I think okay. the support was. I don't know. It didn't seem as good. I tried that. Also, well, there was a couple of, I think OpenHab, I think is one that like has been around forever that kind of does the same thing. And I started looking into that and it was just really hard. Um, so yeah, Home Assistant definitely fit the need for me and filled the need um, awesome. better than those other ones. Now I need, I need to look into this because I was looking at Homebridge the other day. So this is... It's nice seeing that somebody else has already done the research and yeah. figured to find out a better a better product. Nice. All right. Well, you guys know what time it is. Oh, no, I don't because I don't have an Apple Watch. And you know what? Podcasting is still hard. Can I, guys? I can vouch for it. Take, <laughs> take care. <laughs>